From the studios of Boise State Public Radio News, I'm Gemma Gaudet. More Idaho Matters right now. Rebecca Mackay's last book, The Great Believers, was a Pulitzer Prize finalist. And readers and critics alike have been anxiously awaiting her next book. I mean, so no pressure for her, I'm sure. Her new novel, I Have Some Questions For You, is out now. And Mackay describes her latest creation this way, quote, it's the literary feminist boarding school murder mystery you didn't know you needed, unquote. I personally couldn't agree more. We are lucky enough to have Rebecca joining us today to chat. Hi, Rebecca. Hi, thank you so much. So I have to tell you in full transparency, I am devouring the book, but I am not finished. So, um, oh, no, no spoiler spoilers ones. anyway. Don't worry. No. I would never get Okay. Spoilers. No spoilers. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Um, so I really do want to just start with, I mean, honestly, how you yourself have described this book, which is that it is a feminist boarding school murder mystery. Um, how did you come up with this idea? <laughs> well, the thing is, of course, it's multiple ideas, right? It's not yeah. like you're walking down the street and the whole novel hits you on the head. I wish that happened. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, several tributaries. Um, one of them is, um, I, do live on the board, the campus of the boarding school where my husband teaches. Um, mm. it, there's a whole story there. We either can get into it or not. Um, another, and I just, I'm fascinated by the way it's, it's simultaneously this really historic permanent place. And also this very transitory place where kids pass through so quickly, but at this very formative time, it also had to do with me looking back um, in the me too era, looking back at my own adolescence in the nineties um, mm-hmm. Thinking about the things we not only put up with, but also participated in or, or ignored the things, the way we were conditioned to uh, accept things that we uh, probably weren't okay with, but we were definitely socialized to understand that we were supposed to pretend to be okay with them. Um, there was that. I, there's also my, um, you know, I think like a lot of people, ongoing interest in mystery and true crime that as the media around that has changed, as we've gotten all these podcasts, as we've gotten, you know, Reddit threads and uh, websites where you could spend all day diving mm-hmm. into a certain case, um, I've been questioning why we're so drawn to that. What um, What is it about certain cases that captures the public imagination? Uh, and, you know, sometimes some good comes from that, often harm comes from that. And I wanted to explore that as well. So all of those things came together and um, it just kind of snowballed into one big, one big book. Well, and it's so interesting. So the main character, Bodhi, she she went to this boarding school um, in high school. She comes back as an adult to teach kind of this mini course. And because she also mm-hmm. has a podcast, um, <clears throat> a true crime podcast. And she actually, she, she actually has a, a podcast about women in Hollywood. That's um, women but, in Hollywood. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 And it's, and it's got, the, but she, so it's, I think that's so interesting with the women in Hollywood with the podcast, but there's this scene that you write about in the book that, um, that I found to be just so it's, 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 it's just so deep and it hits you so emotionally as a woman because you, you go through this like um, this whole passage of, well, it was this woman that this happened to. Mm -hmm. Well, it was this time Mm -hmm. that this girl happened to this. Mm -hmm. And all of these scenarios where women have been hurt or injured or killed. And it's Mm -hmm. just one 
after another. I mean, I think it's two pages where you right. write about this. And I, I mean, what struck me in that was, you know, my coming of age was around the same time, right? And what we mm-hmm. as teenagers, as young women uh, tolerated because it was just the norm. And reading this, it, it, it took me back. And, and I'm wondering if, as you were writing it, I mean, did, did it throw you back in that time as well? Oh, of course. I mean, I, I had to um, be thinking constantly about that, you know, that era. I, I, I just, you know, Bodhi is not me. Anyone who went to high school with me will see that right away. <laughs> but um, I did give her my high school graduation year, 1995, mm. just to make things easier um, mm-hmm. culturally and what songs and what TV shows and uh, the death of Kurt Cobain, which was this huge oh, yeah. thing in her yeah. life, less in my own, but um, those uh, those markers of an era um, that just, you know, it, it made things not only easier for me, but of course, more personal for me. And, mm-hmm. you know, like... You know, the age that she is would be if she were real right now, same age as me, basically, um, having children who are getting, you know, of themselves coming of age. And you start thinking about the contrasts between the world our children are going up in, which is absolutely imperfect. We haven't solved things at all. But at the the distance we've come from the 1990s and um, you know, our current teenagers would be horrified by the things we did, the things we put up with, the things we participated in. Um, and so, you know, for, for Bodhi, coming back to this campus throws that into high relief. For me, of course, it was the writing of this novel and uh, mm. just, uh, you know, looking at my old yearbooks, if not mm-hmm. not for characters, nothing like that, but for, oh, my God, did we really wear that? Um, what were the references in people's yearbook quotes? What, you know, what kind of things were we talking about? Um, there was also a sense, you know, with Me Too, the early days of Me Too, um, uh, a lot of us were thinking back, and this was, you know, a a little bit before I started writing the book. Um, we were thinking back not only to, to big things that were maybe a little bit more obvious, but to, uh, kind of, you know, microaggressions that had happened, uh, you know, hallway harassment um, that I had, you know, I had dealt with the bigger things. I had not dealt with that. And Mm -hmm. we were all collectively looking back in a very interesting way. And that that certainly was on my mind as I wrote. Well, and you write very much, I think, about the microaggressions with this, uh, this, you know, boy that um, what, 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 Back when we were growing up, we'd say, "Oh, he was just teasing or giving her a hard time." Oh, yeah. But, but he right, like but you, you. yeah, <laughs> he, yeah. Oh, he must like you if he's doing those things, right? I mean, saying these right. horrible things about you, and yeah. and it's and it's like, and nowadays that would never be tolerated, and that struck me as well. Um, and and it is, it's those microaggressions that I think you're so right that that we sometimes have to look back on and say, "Oh." That's what that was. And that is why right. maybe I am damaged in a way that I am, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, I mean, I think I'm sure I'm sure that things like that still happen. But, mm. you know, for me, um, and I think for so many women of, of my generation, the those things would happen and you'd be upset. But then you understood wrongly that the problem was you. That, that, you know, I have 
you know, I'm embarrassed by this. Mm-hmm. It must mm-hmm. be because I'm not, I don't have a good enough sense of humor or I must be missing the joke or, um, you know, I, I, it would be shameful for anyone to know about this because clearly I brought this on myself mm-hmm. and uh, you just kind of, you know, you learn to laugh or, and, and I think that um, a difference now would be that, that I think hopefully most young people would understand that this was something that they had the right to be upset about. Well, and I think too, and you write about this in the book that, I mean, teachers kind of turn a blind eye to it, right? Back then, mm-hmm. that wouldn't happen in this day and age. Um, and or so, so another, in it. Exactly, exactly. So another thing I want to get to is that, so we should note that in the book, uh, Bodhi's roommate is is killed um, when yes. when she's at this boarding school. So she comes back and, you know, and, and one of these kids wants to, uh, wants his podcast to be about, you know, this, this incident. What I find fascinating when I'm reading it though, is the, is the narrative. Um, because sometimes, I mean, Bodhi narrates the book, right? And there are times where right. it's more in the third person, but then there are other times where she's literally talking to someone and you're mm-hmm. trying to figure out who she's talking to. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I, I think it's a teacher. I don't know yet. Um, <laughs> Okay, you're early then. Yep, yep. Okay, right. So it's so it's this thing, but I but what made you decide to write like that? Because it goes back and forth, and I have to say there are times where I have to go back and be like, okay, wait a minute. Now what? Mm-hmm. And I kind of have to reread a passage and then be like, okay, that part makes sense. Mm-hmm. Right. So it basically she is, you know, kind of thinking the narrative at a certain person, um, and it you know, there are times when as a reader, you might forget that because it's not constant, but really the whole narrative, she is addressing to a certain person. And uh, in the same way that, you know, you might, when you return to a place you haven't been in a long time, you might feel that you're in conversation with a certain person or that that, that's who's watching you. That's who you're kind of narrating this, this experience to. Um, And uh, for reasons, you know, she, she, this person, this this uh, teacher is on her mind for reasons she mm-hmm. doesn't, she can't quite articulate at first, but um, realizes later it's it's because there was something really bugging her subconsciously about this person. And um, it, uh, you know, it's funny because I, I don't, I, it's, I don't remember sitting there and making the decision to do this. But when you're, when mm. you're starting out, you try a lot of things. You throw a lot of spaghetti at the wall. And then, you know, nothing seems terribly momentous in that moment, but then you keep the things that work. And the reason this worked for me is it allowed the narrative to just be channeled in a certain direction. It allowed, um, as you'll see, as you go on, a kind of a a pinpoint for Bodhi's anger. And Mm. it also in that you, although that you is very specifically a named character within the book, of course, that you implicates the reader as well. Um, you know, if someone shouts, Hey, you, uh, in mm-hmm. a crowd, everyone kind of thinks that they might, that person might be talking to them. So, uh, that that's happening as well. And of course it's in the title of the book. I have some questions for you. Yeah. The first word of the book is you, you've heard of her. And, um, that, uh, that vibe that, that, you know, we're all implicated in this, we're all complicit in this is important to me. It is. It's so good. I mean, honestly, and and um, 
so incredibly well written, but I, of course, would not expect any less having, you know, you are a Pulitzer Prize finalist. I'm curious before I let you go, um, what has life been like for you since your first, since your last book, The Great Believers? This was the one that was uh, mm-hmm. a, a Pulitzer Prize finalist. I mean, that's big. That's huge. I mean, was it life changing for you or is it kind of business as usual? <laughs> it was life changing. Um, you know, it, it's if, if nothing else, it's just huge validation. Um, and uh, you know, of course, we had a pandemic in the meantime, so it's not like I've been jet setting that whole time. <laughs> um, but um, <clears throat> so life changed for other reasons. You know, suddenly, suddenly right. doing terrible homeschooling um, for a little oh. while there. But uh, no, it it you know that was my fourth book. And what, one thing I'll say is I, I, you know, I know writers who their first book right out of the gates was the biggest book of their career. And if that's, you know, God bless, good for them. Fantastic. Right. But then, you know, it, it can be problematic when your career goes is like a little bit downhill after that. Um, and also, I don't think, you know, I think it takes a while for those writers to realize what a lightning strike it was and how, you know, just uh how much work everyone else put into that and and all the whole thing mm-hmm. of of how it works i feel very lucky that it was my fourth book that was that that breakout book for me um because i i i appreciated it i knew um i knew what i was getting i knew that it it's not what normally happens to a writer um i knew all the care that everyone at, at penguin had put into it and i um I was also, you know, I was ready in a way. I, I you know, I, it certainly wasn't going to go to my head because I had mm-hmm. been around and I knew how many great books don't get attention. So um, it was, it was good timing. <clears throat> you know, I had a, I had a fun year and a half there and then suddenly was stuck at home with everybody else. Yeah. You know, it's funny that uh, my dad would always say, uh, you don't want success to come too early because you'll never appreciate it. it that's exactly and- it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 And I think yeah. you you can you can say that for for any career. I so appreciate your time today. I ha- I mean honestly, I, I have to say this book for me personally hits everything I love about a book. I mean you've oh, got a, you've you. got a mystery. You've got a really strong. You know I I love a good female lead. It it is it's it's and it's so layered. I mean it's so nuanced. There's just so many parts to it. So. Thank you for for writing the book and taking time to talk with us. Well, thank you. I really appreciate it. We've been talking with Rebecca Mackay. Her new book, I Have Some Questions for You, is out right now. Definitely worth a read. Thanks so much for listening to Idaho Matters. Boise State Public Radio and Idaho Matters are members of the NPR Network. It's an independent coalition of public media podcasters. You can find more shows in the network wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Gemma Gaudet. We'll see you tomorrow. This is Chip Brantley, co-host of the NPR podcast, White Lies. Before we found the man in Vancouver, before we sued the State Department, before we snuck into the graveyard of a federal penitentiary, all we had were the photographs. Photographs of a group of Cuban men standing on the roof of a prison in rural Alabama. That's this season on the NPR podcast, White Lies.